Welcome to the Yacht Business Podcast. I'm David Fuller, recording this episode at the Sydney Boat Show. I'm looking for disruptive technology and innovation, and I'm also interested to see where the industry is when it comes to sustainability. This year, the Boating Industry Association judged the inaugural Sustainability Award. BIA President Andrew Fielding said the award was introduced to recognize outstanding efforts by businesses promoting sustainable practices and supporting environmental responsibility within the boating industry. The judging panel faced tough competition with a healthy number of submissions, showcasing the industry's growing interest and commitment to sustainability, Fielding said. It was good to see so many submissions in the award's first year, and the fantastic variety of activity and initiatives that are taking place across the various sectors within our industry. I sat down with Nick Tyrrell, Managing Director and Founder of GoBoat, who were the first ever winners of the award. My name is uh, Nick Tyrrell, uh, Managing Director of GoBoat. And it's a big day for GoBoat. You've won the inaugural Sustainability in the Boating Industry Award. How did that all come about? Well, it's, 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 it's taken a long time to get to here. We, we started in 2017 in Canberra, of all places, um, with electric boats, and, uh, and we've been working on, I guess, our sustainability credentials since then. But this is the first year the Boating Industry Association has, um, has had this award for sustainability, so we're pretty pumped to win the first one. Notice twenty newcomers will be will be trying for more uh, after this. We won't be happy with just one. We'll we'll keep pushing the envelope like we have done for the last few years and, and continue innovating in the sustainability space. So, what are, what are some of the main uh, pillars of your sustainability strategy or you know, the way you do things? There's probably three. Um, one is in production. So uh, we've onshored the production of the boats to Australia, so we can be sure of the um, I guess the sustainability. Uh, credibility of of the production so when it comes to what composites we use reclaimed timber for example in in the things like the picnic table that that is on the boats so that's one thing production we're we're pretty uh, confident of getting um, uh, accredited as carbon neutral next year uh, in that space Uh, the second I guess element or second pillar is in propulsion so we use all electric uh, in the boats um, we try different types of batteries we're always innovating in that space we've got a couple of different motors on trial from a couple of different manufacturers seeing where we get the most efficiency um, and the best results and reliability of course is is really important and then third thirdly i think and and critically we I guess apply sustainability principles to everything we do. So that's from having a paperless office to to moving a lot of and investing a lot in um, moving traditionally paper-heavy processes for customers and, and that kind of thing online. And I think all those three things together mean that when you know, last year we had 120,000 guests on our boats um, in our, our locations in Australia, um, every single one of those people relies on us to be credible. I think in our sustainability focus. So I guess we continue to keep pushing. There's areas where we we can definitely improve. So life cycle of our batteries, for example, and how we can reduce reduce wastage uh, uh, and recycling opportunities there. But also how can we use less batteries or fewer batteries? So we're investing at the moment in a design project uh, to to create a um, a stylish looking but also functional um, solar bimini. So uh, to be able to get more range out of our boats 
um, and be able to at the same time reduce the batteries that we need um, to get that range. So there's there's always innovation going on, but um, uh, because we've got it, I guess, at our, as our central principle of sustainability, we're, we're, uh, we're committed to it. I guess on the one hand, we're doing it because we're trying to stop the planet from burning, but on the other hand, it's actually a much better ex- boating experience when you go electric, isn't it? It, it, actually, uh, it actually is a big driver of what we do, is that is it's not only about... I think, I think what we do... Um, proves that you can save the planet in, in, in inverted commas, also offer a really unique and different and popular experience to people because it's not just um, it's not just that we take the the barriers away to, to boating for people generally, but that we offer them an experience that's different to just getting on a boat, um, getting somewhere quickly. Um, dealing with the the wake of other boats and and uh, and and swell and all that kind of thing and maybe getting a bit of spit seasick on the way um, and then dropping anchor and then spending some time relaxing, we transform that I think and give people a totally different option which is enjoy the journey not just the destination so you can have a great chat with your, your people uh, that you bring on the boat be selective because you might be stuck with them for a couple of hours so you want to make sure you, you bring the right group of course but um, you know it would build the whole concept around uh, a picnic table on the boat so uh, you can enjoy you know a couple of drinks you can enjoy a picnic you know some cheeses a bit of wine whatever you like um, uh, not too much wine though we've got limits uh, uh, but you can do that while you're just tootling around in a bay or, or you're going up the river or whatever it might be. It's not just about the destination, but it's about the journey. And it's also about the absence of noise, which is also a massive difference to the experience of an electric boat. Yeah, noise and fumes. Um, uh, and look, I mean, don't, let's, let's not beat around the bush. The boats aren't fast. We, we deliberately speed limit them so that we get enough range to be able to offer them all day to people, um, but also so they can drive them without a boat licence. Um, uh, but the, feed, the feedback that we get is, is how um, quiet the boats are, that people are just amazed. I think that the average punter still sort of expects on a small boat that's going to be noisy and there'll be fumes and, you know, un, sort of maybe a bit unreliable like those old two-strokes of the past. Um, and uh, the new four-strokes obviously are much more reliable, but that, that's actually an element when we talk about it not just being about the environment. The, the product itself is it, it works from not just a customer point of view but from a business perspective the maintenance on electric motors is extraordinarily low compared to or what's required is extraordinarily low compared to traditional um, internal combustion even outboards um, I know outboards are easier to maintain but our electric motors we do most of the servicing in-house we service them once every six months and, and servicing consists of really sort of regreasing some seals and, and replacing some o-rings you know it's, it's it's quite it's quite limited so it, it works from a business perspective as well as from a, a customer perspective and bo- boating traditionally has been seen as a fairly inaccessible pastime the investment to get into boating can be quite large you're also helping on that sense in terms of giving people a a toe in the water if you like of the experience so they can then say oh I like this maybe I'll go and think about getting my own boat that's right and look the genesis of the 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 whole business for me was uh, uh, that I didn't have any experience with boating and when I was in Europe on holidays once I I, I, some some crazy person rented me a, a little boat with an electric motor um, to tootle around in and as someone who had no experience in boating and I mean pretty close to zero I mean I'd done a couple of fishing charters that was probably it and t- took the ferry to work 
for me, that was revelatory. You know, that was that was me as a punter off the street with no boat license um, in a foreign country. I could experience what I thought it cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to to experience. And I know the boats aren't; they're not a super yacht. They're not. They're not. Um, they're not super fancy, but they're a bit sexy. They're a bit stylish. They're very European. They're they're built to a very high standard, and. Um, taking r- removing those barriers, uh, as you say, where people people do have a sense that getting into boating is oh gosh, this is like St- standing under a shower chair. Yeah, yeah well, that's my dad used to say that. You know, I saw, you know, if I, if ever I was looking at someone's boat or something as a kid, it was like, well, it is like staring tear, tearing up. Um, he used to say, what did he say? Tearing up pineapples. You know, the fifty dollar <laughs> notes in the shower. So yes, yes, it's a bit like that. But uh, ninety, uh, sorry, seventy five percent of our our guests are women. And um, traditionally, women have, have felt a bit excluded, I think, from the boating industry, or at least that the barriers were a little bit high. Um, uh, blokes typically, I think, are a bit more inclined to be interested in things that go broom broom, and um, and I'm I'm certainly one of those, more in a car space than a than a, a boat space um, historically. But removing those barriers for people and taking some of the jargon out, you know, we don't we don't make them remember which way's port and which way's starboard and, and all that kind of thing when we're doing our safety briefing but we show them how to how to use a life jacket we show them um uh, which way to go on the side of cardinal markers or um you know those kind of things and and we sort of take the yeah take remove those barriers so that it really is accessible to everyone and we think it's a great opportunity to to get new people into boating that um that otherwise may not have ever thought that it was possible for them Despite the award, there were very few examples of sustainable boating at the show. One exception was the E-Yachts Group, which was showcasing boats from their RAND range. I spoke with Ross Turner about some of the trends in the market. I'm Ross Turner. I'm the general manager of the E-Yachts Group, and that consists of carbon yachts, uh, E-Yachts, TMG yachts, um, and Coblet, and also Vessel Tech, our service support. In the E-Yachts Group, we're actually trying to do what little we can to try and Um, turn what is invariably quite a difficult industry to be properly sustainable um, to take a few small steps to help really drive that sustainability angle mostly with the brands that we choose to represent so the EOTS group actually is made up of four different companies well five now in fact including our newest sister company Carbon Yachts and the brands that really have that main sustainable focus that we have firstly the Rams which are obviously most well known for being electric day boats but they also can be optioned with traditional internal combustion engines, ICE engines as well. Despite the fact that they're really well known for being electric boats first and foremost, the price point of electric still makes them out of reach for many. So about 50% of the rands that are actually sold at the moment are still traditional petrol or diesel internal engines. But the build of the rands is uh, very sustainably focused. So they actually use recycled bottles, PET bottles in um, the hull construction. The leather you're sitting on isn't actually real leather, it's you know, vegan cruelty-free leather, as they call it. Um, all the teak's FSC, and the build process tries to use an awful lot less material, so a lot less waste than you get in traditional boat manufacturing. Um, we also bring in the Greenline boats through EOTS. So Greenline have been pioneers in the hybrid field for probably the last 15 years or so. We've represented the brand for a little over 10 years. Um, their boats, similarly to RAND, can be either uh, fully electric, or hybrid or um, traditional diesel internal engines as well. Australia is a little bit behind the rest of the world as I'm sure you're aware in the way in which we adopt these technologies but we've already seen the electric cars really take off. Um, There's a lot more happening in that space 
globally and we're starting to see that trickle down here like we've had huge interest in the rands and the next rand that we actually have arriving is going to be the first fully electric rand into australia of the big boat range so that's a 27 foot not dissimilar to this but as a bow rider um, and that's going to be a you know 35 knot boat in electric which is kind of cool and, and is the where's the impetus coming from and like you say electric vehicles kind of took a little bit of a while but now it seems to be on a real ramping up in a big way it is. Has there been a, a switch recently? There's there's a switch in mindset, and the interest is there. The majority of boats, obviously, still are being bought as petrol because people do have that range anxiety. People in the vehicle world with cars, they've started to get over that. They've started to understand you just have to manage the power. You have to adapt the way that you use it in order to work. And the infrastructure is starting to be built for the marine world as well. So Seavolt, who we've partnered with, they're building the marine electrical charging infrastructure mainly to support Which is sustainable sourced as well isn't absolutely it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so all of their power is green renewable power that powers these things so there is the future there some of the infrastructure is still catching up in terms of marina power supplies etc etc sure. but it is it is getting there i guess um, some of the larger boats you know very very large yachts like sun reef or even got their own own solar and power generation on board absolutely absolutely and green line do a similar thing so the green line if you jump up on board these you'll see the roofs are all covered in solar panels green line are fairly convinced that the hybrid combination particularly in that large semi-displacement sure. thing is the way to go and we see in the u.s for example nearly a hundred percent of the green line sold into the u.s which is their biggest market are all hybrid they don't really sell straight diesels whereas here in australia the majority of the boats we sell are still straight diesel with only a handful being hybrid but it's it's getting there slowly but surely in response to your earlier question you were asking about what the the impetus is i think people are starting to realize that not only do you just have to adapt the way you use the boat slightly so a rand for example like this one we're on at the moment in the electric version of this it's got at five knots which is obviously a comfortable nice cruising speed about 20 hours of running so that's about 100 miles you can travel which is more than enough for most people if you want to ramp that speed up, say 20 knots or so, then that comes to about 20 nautical miles that you have. And when you, it's about using the terminology as well. So that's about an hour and a half of runtime. People go, oh, hour and a half, that's not really very long. But a number of companies in Scandinavia, which is where a lot of this drive is coming from, they've done the research on how people use their boats and how people think they're going to use a boat, which is full throttle at 40 <laughs> knots everywhere, isn't really how they use it. They poodle around somewhere, yep. you know, to get out of the marina and to get into the vibe, and then they blast across the bay for 20 minutes. Yep. Then back down to five knots to find a nice anchoring spot, drop the pick, Stop have a swim. Stop the on the way back. Exactly, have yeah. lunch, and then you sort of do rinse and repeat. So we're convinced that there is an opportunity there. When our first fully electric Supreme 27 round arrives, we're going to do all the real-world testing to make sure that these theoretical figures are practical. So we're actually putting in these Seavolt superchargers at our Keys Marina headquarters on Pitwater and also then at our Spit um, showroom and demo centre on the harbour. And so that's about 20 nautical miles between the two. So once we get that boat here, we'll be testing it between those and seeing just how viable the whole process is. Peter Hrones is General Manager of Carbon Yachts, part of the E-Yachts Group. He spoke to me about the Candela brand of boats that are fully foiling, which changes the game in many ways. It's a very, very clever sort of pod they've got with two electric motors on it. And it's very simple, but they've got the IP for it all. Yeah. It's a tech company. And what they've also done within the boat is they've got all these sensors around the boat. So going back to the foils, and that's what 
keeps the, so the right height and everything else. Second, yeah. these 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 little uh, sensors are monitoring the water. So I've been for a run on Stockholm, sure. so I've actually been on the boat. Yeah. Um, so it's a different sensation. And what speed do they start foiling? I think it's on the green. Start foiling it. You, you feel like you're going up at about 14, 15 knots. Okay. So, which is early. I mean, a lot of boats are still at a black speed there and sort of pushing the nose up, where these are getting that, they're lifting at that point, at the 14, 15, and then at 22 knots is a great cruising speed, and then a top speed around 27 knots. But they've also now uh, gone with Polestar, okay. with the battery systems. So that's now with that battery system, it's sort of like the latest, and that's giving them that extra mileage. So before was maybe 40 odd miles, and now with this new battery system from Polestar, they're doing the 58 nautical miles, which is quite a lot, because at the end of the day, a lot of these day boats, they tend to go out, and they only go out for, you'd be lucky to do 20 miles. Sure. I mean, really, it's, it's 20 miles to Pittwater. Yeah. And people don't do that. And around Sydney Harbour, it's a perfect boat. Around Pittwater, you might do 10 miles out as the most and 10 miles back. Sure. So you've still got, you know, three quarters of a tank full of electricity. Yeah. Or battery power. And it looks cool. Especially, I mean, there's a lot of foiling. <laughs> the foiling looks cool. <laughs> and, and there's so much foiling coming out, as we know. And probably the America's Cups probably push that even higher. Yeah. I'd say, but um, but all the foiling boards, you know, there's probably 20 different foiling boards now to choose from. When you go to Düsseldorf, it's just like wow. I mean, we've we've been offered them from yeah. a couple of companies that they're side companies. Virtue, these guys have got a side company with foiling boards, so we've been offered them. But so it is. It's becoming more and more attractive, obviously, in especially in electric. Yeah. Ross Turner also had some thoughts about the foiling boats in the range. You mentioned something earlier about the um, the impetus and why people are starting to accept it. Part of that, I think, comes down to people aren't really prepared to make compromises for their boating lifestyle experience, but they're starting to realise the benefits that you get with electric motors, that silence that you get, yeah, the lack absolutely. of the fumes, the lack of maintenance, like a single moving part in an electric engine makes life that yeah. much easier and cheaper to maintain. Um, I guess it's also understanding your buyer personas, though, isn't it? It's, you know, if you want someone who's literally just wants to sit in a peaceful bay and have a have a cocktail, then that's a totally different, you know, buyer user case to someone who literally wants to have the exhausts, you know, blaring and everything else. You don't need. I mean, you, you need to put the stereos on most of these boats at full blast to be able to hear them yeah. when you're driving. Yeah. But on this. You really you don't hear anything. The only thing you ever hear is when you land, you hear the, yeah, the yeah. hull. And being carbon, I mean that's the other thing. It's not cheap to build in carbon. Sure. You know, so here's some of the. This is from Candela, their factory. I grabbed a couple of bits of carbon from them. But you know that that whole boat, everything from the seats to everything, is built in carbon. So that boat, I think, weighs 1,600 kilos. So right. it's a lot. It's a lot lighter than what yeah. conventional boat is, so then it works again. So you, it's putting those technologies and all the, the we we'll call it the infusion of carbon, it's putting that with the electric motor. So they've done it right. Yeah. You know, they haven't tried to push a heavy boat through the water. But um, it is, it's a tech company, quite interesting. You know, they're now building the carbon boats. The factory was like, like a hospital. It was that, I've never been, with, I've been to 25 boat factories over the last 25 years. I've never seen one that clean. Never smell, like, there's not even a smell of the resin. No smells. Um, and then they're gonna go to this passenger, which they've already pre-sold five of. And so there'll be the smaller, they had the bigger cat, like a, a catamaran version. This one's a quite a small one. 
but they had the bigger 12. And interesting again, once they've done, they've done, you know, they've done a lot of research, and they see how much a lot of these passenger ferries are just completely empty. Right. They're not, you know, they're only getting capacity of I don't know, 20, 30 percent. Yeah. And so why are they dra- again? Like you know, we know our ferries here. You see them and go, wow, look, there's like 10 people on that. Well, they used to have hydrofoils on Sydney Harbour. That's back in the day. Yeah. 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 Things are going full circle. We used to have supersonic planes as well. We could do with them coming back at some point. <laughs> Although those hydrofoils here belched out all kinds of oh, smoke yeah. out the back. You didn't no. want to sit on the back deck. No, absolutely. <laughs> and it's really interesting because obviously you've got to go slow at this last part in WA, in the Swan River. Yeah. It's because of wake. Right. No wake. So there's this huge argument they're having now. Oh, I change see. That. Because if they don't change it, they can't do the amount of runs that they need to do at the moment. And it's only just off where they're going to make no wake. And there's no, there's no busyness. Of, there's one wharf. There's no busyness. So they're trying to get that through yeah. to say, well, we don't want to do six or eight knots. We, we want to do 20 knots right up. You know, we don't want to do eight miles. Going slow or whatever yeah, it's it is. Interesting. The regulations take a while to catch up. Yeah, they? so that's their argument. As soon as they get that part, then they can order the boats because yeah, this is going to work. So the Sophia's, for example, which are the, the luxury day sailors that are being pulled through carving yeah. now, they're 27, they're smaller, but comes as standard with an electric propulsion. You don't have an alternative. Um, and then you go 33, 37 foot long, and you can option them with electric. And about 50% of the boats chosen over there all are electric. So it just takes a long time for it to catch up. In the halls of Sydney's ICC were a different kind of boat, smaller with outboard engines. I had a chat with David Meehan from Mercury about what was happening in their market. Yeah, uh, David Meehan, Director of Sales for Australia, New Zealand and the Pacific. So um, we're at the Sydney Boat Show and see you've got a lot of your electric uh, outboards here displayed. How's, how's the move towards electric going in Australia? Yeah, look, it's really interesting. Um, we launched the 7.5e at Miami in February and uh, we've had an unbelievable response to people wanting to, especially the small tenders, you know, up to nine horsepower is where they really want to be with an electric engine and it's quite surprised us as to the demand for that type of product. People like the green aspect and the versatility of not having to carry fuel as well so the the type of client seems to be that ship to shore tender customer that doesn't want to carry petrol but wants to have an electric outboard they can charge up and use. And is there still the anxiety around range, or is that something that's slowly being overcome? Yeah, I think it's being overcome, and the technology of our product in the colour display on the screen, it tells you exactly when you're going to run out, which in a petrol engine you've got no idea, because on a little engine you don't have a fuel gauge, so it's, um, it's probably less anxiety in electric than it is in a petrol engine, so it's pretty good. And what are the, what are the plans moving forward for big, larger engines and... We've publicly announced five models uh, in the range to be launched this year and into next year, you know, up to sort of 20 horsepower. And then obviously Mercury's investing heavily in uh, electrification Um, and it's very much battery technology related Um, and we've got product plans to sort of go higher over the years but our core focus in the next 12 to 18 months is sort of 20 horsepower and below and really focusing on that tender market. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Yacht Business Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss new insights and interviews. You can also follow us on Instagram at 
the yacht business, or get updates via email on our Substack. Go to yachtbusiness.substack.com. Now back to the show. This year, the boat show featured a sailing and paddling showcase, a stage that was open to the public without a boat show ticket. Nick Douglas of Sailor Girl HQ fame interviewed guests, including Olympian Matt Belcher. Yeah, you know, I've certainly been to my fair share of, of, um, of boat shows, but I started really young, uh, around seven, seven, eight years old. Uh, grew up on, on the Gold Coast, so I'm still based up there. Um, and I just, just loved being on the, on the water. My, my parents weren't sailors at all. Uh, they, they had a stick boat. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, so every weekend we used to go out on, on, on the boat. Uh, they didn't know much about sailing, but you know, they towed a small wooden sabo that barely floated. And, and each weekend, you know, I just, just loved being out there. I did it with my brother, and, and then one thing led to another. And, and then, you know, the Australian Sailing Team, you get into the state programs all the way through, you know, your club program first yeah. and then get to the state. And then you just kind of follow that journey. And, and you know, for me, it's a long time, been 22 years in the Olympic uh, environment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just loved, loved every, every minute of training and, uh, you know, fantastic to have the outcome that we did. Sounds very familiar to somebody else we've had on stage a little bit today. Somebody who uh, didn't have sailing parents and then just absolutely loves being on the water and spends every single second she can. So I guess um, basically what you're saying is that if you love doing it, you could find great success or not, and you'll have a great time. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's the big thing is that particularly in an Olympic campaign, you have to really enjoy it. You've got to be passionate about it. Um, there's a lot of sacrifices along the way. You know, the journey's not always, um, you know, it's up and down. And for me, just to get to my first games, it took 12 years. So I lost the trials for Athens, uh, lost the trials for Beijing, but you know had that belief, had the right people around me, and and, and obviously you know, friends and family super supportive to, to get me through those those hurdles, and, and then to you know to win in in London, um, you know then I said to my wife, I said, hey, I'll just do one more campaign, uh, and then enjoyed it so much, and then after that I was like, you know, we finished second. What about doing one more, and and you know that one more turned into another year with COVID as well. Uh, but, you know, what, a, what a, a journey. And for me personally, you know, to have the friendships, the support uh, and, and to go through those highs and lows, um, learn a lot about myself and, you know, massive, massive opportunity. So, yeah, lo- loved every minute of it. Yeah, and an amazing career to follow. Um, a gold, a silver, a gold medal, over 10 world championships, not only in the 470, but also in the Etchells. So he's had an amazing career, but he gives back to the sport to no end as well. Um, and I say that and I looked right at Addy because he does spend a lot of time with juniors, I mean, what does that mean to you? I think everybody here that's working in the Discover Sailing and Paddling Hub, I'm looking at Lily right now, they're working because they love this sport and they're here to, to try and help spread the word. What is it about sailing that makes you want to give back? Like, And, and why, do, why do you spend your life doing this? I, I just love it. You know, I love, I love the, the people, love the environment, um, obviously love, love the sport, being out on the water. Um, but, yeah, just it's sailing is such a, such a common it's a commonality that it doesn't really matter what experience, what background, um, doesn't matter what status you are, whether that's in, in business or in social environment, that everyone's, everyone's the same. We're all there to do a job. You're all on the boat together. You have to work together. Um, and you're, you're tasked with some really you know, tough environments. You know, we look at the complexity of the sport, whether that's in America's Cup, might be Sail GP, might be Olympic, even just getting out of the harbour. Right? I mean, you, it's, it's not an easy, easy thing, and there's a lot of things that you, you need to make sure come, come together. And, and that's what I love about the sport is that we have so many you know, key supporters of, of these, these top cruising brands that love sailing, and, and you could be a, a junior second time on a boat, and you can 
have that connection and that environment and be be together really um, uh, you know work as one and, and I think that's that's a really cool thing about the sport and um, yeah it makes it makes it interesting right indeed and I think um, I've said a few times today it's a sport for life whether that's paddling and we've got paddling here in the harbour we've got the foiling or we've got of course the sailing we were just both talking to one of our friends off stage by the name of John Bertrand and he's still racing um, and, and doing incredibly well and winning nationals but you don't even have to be winning to be out there and enjoying it and I hope that you know I, I spend some of my last days out on the water and you're probably the same. Yeah absolutely any any, any excuse to get out on the water we, we you know we, we, we take it and I think that's that's such a great thing about the sport is that you can race against you know these these heroes that are America's Cup champions, Olympic champions, um, and in such a wide range of, of classes. So it is something. It's a sport for life, um, and you certainly learn a lot about yourself going through through that journey. Yeah. And on that note, I'm going to finish with our most successful Olympic sailor of all time, Mr. Matt Belcher. Not only a, a champion on the water, but off the water as well. So thank you for spending time with us today, Matt. It's a pleasure. Nick. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's a wrap for this episode from the Sydney Boat Show. Thanks for listening. The Yacht Business Podcast is produced by Pilot Media for the Pilot Media Network. Find out more at yachtbusiness.biz. Thank you.